Welcome back to Product and Health Tech, a community for product leaders by product leaders in healthcare. I'm Chris Hoyd, a principal at Vinyl, which is a product development strategy firm. Today, I got to sit down with Andy Chu, the SVP of product and technology at the Providence Health System. Andy's team has been uniquely successful at shipping innovative, scalable solutions in recent years. So I loved hearing about his approach to prioritizing opportunities, avoiding too much process and measuring success. So let's jump into that conversation. Andy, super excited to uh, have you on the podcast today. Uh, I think you're leading one of the most, you know, interesting departments in health tech, uh, especially within a, a healthcare system. So really excited to learn more about your background, how you approach, you know, leadership with your team. Uh, Andy, maybe we can start by you just taking a second and talking us through kind of the story of your career a little bit. I know you've touched on, you know, different industries and and you're relatively maybe recent to uh, to healthcare. So maybe just Talk us through the journey, yep, if you will. Yep, yep. Thanks, Chris. Uh, well, uh, happy to be here. Um, before Providence, I worked at uh, two different startups uh, over about seven year time frame. Uh, the last startup uh, did fairly well, uh, hyper growth over 300% revenue. Uh, when I left, a little over $300 million uh, in top line. And then before that, I did e commerce. Um, and then and then before that, I spent 12 years at Microsoft, um, six years in the consumer space, six years in the enterprise space. And then I started my career in telecom from building network. Uh, that was my that was my uh, degree, uh, signal processing, electrical engineering, and all the way now I'm doing doing healthcare. So very different background, very different industries. That is kind of uh, unique, I think, from sort of deep technical infrastructure to a rapidly scaling startup. Um, can you talk a little bit about, you know, maybe what you bring from some of those experiences to healthcare? What what feels like a, you know, sort of analogous and useful, you know, sort of uh, learning or experience that you've gotten? You know, when I started in telecom, one, telecom is also very highly regulated. Um, tons of legacy infrastructure, right? So if you go back to the Unix days, uh, I'm really dating myself. Um, that's what you know, how the, the operating system was built for, right? Um, I was had to deal with like mainframe infrastructure and everything else. So, um, and if you look at the telecom world, there's also legacy billing system, provisioning systems. Uh, those systems have been around for 20, 30 years. Nobody wants to touch those. Um, and then if you go to retail, similar, right? Very legacy infrastructure, um, very different way of thinking. Um, but I went through the whole transition of when big box retailer were dominant in, in the malls and strip malls to evolving and the evolution of the online shopping, right? And omni-commerce. Um, now, if you look at healthcare, it's going through a very similar transition. Healthcare, you have legacy infrastructure, um, predominantly really owned by the electronic medical records, right? Um, and you have um, brick and mortar, big hospitals and clinics, right? There's a lot of discussions in healthcare around digital transformation, similar conversation, right? Back in telecom days, what happened to retail? So I can definitely see there are a lot of parallels. Um, a big part of it, if you start thinking about all these different industries, um, now, all these industries still there. Telecom is not going away. Retail is not going away. 
the evolution of it, it has been. And that's also how I see healthcare is the same way, right? Um, all of us are patients. We want to consume our healthcare on our own terms. Um, and that's exactly happened to retail. A lot of uh, big retail, big box retailer back in the days, so like, oh, e-commerce is a fad, right? Those companies that definitely have died out. But the ones that actually bet on technologies, um, if you look at Walmart, right, what they have done, um, Target, right? They're really transforming that patient or the consumer experience. And exactly what's happening in healthcare right now. You have the big tech, you have traditional big retailers now coming into healthcare, uh, nibbling at the edges, um, dealing with ambulatory type of services, low acuity services. You have venture capitalists, private equities, and payers, right? Also going after ambulatory surgical services, right? Typically those are very high margin. And then for hospitals, we're sort of getting squeezed, right? So in many ways, if you look at, um, again, kind of looking at the analogies of retail or hospitality and all these other industries, I think, you know, digital plays a huge role and how we should be thinking about more product thinking rather than project thinking is, uh, is very important to, the, to how we should be approaching problems here in, in healthcare. I love that. And I think that's a, you know, relatively uh, rare insight uh, for a lot of healthcare leaders. Maybe, Andy, we can take a minute here and you can just sort of give us the lay of the land for what you and your team does within Providence. Yeah. So so our team, essentially, we sit um, outside of IT, sits outside of operations. Um, I report to the chief digital and strategy officer here at Providence, um, and she reports to, to uh, our CEO. And our mandate essentially is trying to figure it out, um, trying to identify white space within, within healthcare. Um, and there are a lot of challenges in healthcare, as we know. Uh, the big question is, historically, we have a lot of point solutions that us as health system have deployed. Um, the question is, all these point solution that we have developed was still causing a lot of problems, right? A workflow still extremely complex. The application or front uh, and caregivers, right? Our clinician are utilizing is still very clunky, still do a lot of costs. So my team's focus is trying to figure it out both from a patient standpoint as well as our uh, caregiver standpoint, where we can disrupt. Not for the sake of just disruption, right? But it's actually what we can do to build product that actually improve the patient experience, actually help augment our caregiver's workflow so they can be more efficient. Um, and, and those are the things that we look at, right? Within the larger uh, health care system. And then that also spans to how we should be working with other partners, right? Because over the last 10 plus years, there are a lot of investment in health tech. Question is, we're not going to be able to work with and work on every single problem. The question is, how do we bring some of these things into the fold and actually provide a better experience? 
But the main mandate of my team is to figure it out, you know, where do I space? Where should we invest? And then if we identify a white space, is it a point problem or is it actually more a global problem? And if it's a global problem, we want to approach the product more at the platform level so we can solve multiple use cases that can you can drive adoption enterprise-wide. And if we can successfully build a product and scale it here at Providence, then we commercialize it. And that's when we bring on a management team, um, then we raise money and we, we, we spin them out. So we have done this three times and then we just announced Prior Health, which is our fourth company uh, back in October. So we're in the process of uh, the funding stage and the goal is to spin that company out uh, within the next few months. Incredibly cool. Okay, so I'm going to dive into a few things there. I think, you know, uh, almost everything you just mentioned is a lot easier said (laughs) than done. And I think, uh, you know, other health systems, I know, look to, you know, to your team and to Providence for uh, kind of an example of being able to to do that and to, you know, to to find a single opportunity to scale, let alone multiple. I'm curious, how would you think about sort of, you know, your teams or, or Providence as a whole? What's your sort of superpower or unfair advantage that allows you to continuously kind of thread the needle to those scalable opportunities? Yeah, I think we're fortunate that at Providence, at the leadership team level, people are wanting to push envelope and wanting to go explore the the uncharted territories, right? Um, At the end of the day, um, we want to disrupt ourselves first, right? Um, I think I think I give a lot of credit to the sea level here at uh, at Providence that enables us to do what we what we can do right. I think second, I think our superpower is our ability to connect the dots, right? Because a lot of us come from outside of healthcare, so we don't have. I don't want to come across as negative, like the traditional baggage of healthcare, right? Because you have seen it, you have tried it, uh, you have done it. 10 different times, but it hasn't worked. Um, sometimes, you know, ha- have a let, have a little bit of uh, fresh perspective, although you might be looking at the same problem, but maybe a slightly different angle, or there's a new technology, right, that actually can empower us to do certain things that you can't do five, 10 years ago. Um, I think the other, um, I would say, competitive advantage is that we have access to our own data, to workflow, to clinicians, to MAs and nurses, right? As a startup, try to build something like that outside of healthcare is very, very difficult, just in getting access to people to talk to, right? Um, my team spent a lot of time talking to not only patients, right, but also to all the other folks I just mentioned. Like, we'll shadow them for hours, right? Trying to understand exactly how they're doing things. Um, And then connect the dots, right? Between what we're seeing from patients and what we're seeing our internal workflow. And then we can starting to decide, hey, what actually makes sense? And then from there, we can actually get validation. Before we build anything, we actually can actually go spend time with with our operations team and with our clinician actually validate the problem that we're trying to solve, right? That's also very hard, 
right? If you're trying to build a startup outside of healthcare, you may have a hypothesis, but uh, how can you get feedback really quickly before you iterate, right? I mean, we have that advantage. So I think that gives us that competitive uh, edge um, that, you know, it's just very difficult to do if you're not in a healthcare setting. That, you know, sort of innate capability, that innate access combined with, it sounds like from sort of the top down, a certain acceptance of, you know, risk for, uh, for pushing the envelope a little bit. That sounds like a pretty rare combination. I mean, you know, I think it makes sense, but it, it can be hard to find those things. So it's really cool. Um, so I'm curious now if we can talk a little bit about how your, how your department is structured, how your team is structured. Is it, um, you know, is it, is it sort of separate to the, the Providence hospital systems team of, you know, technologists and product managers who's on your team? Yeah. So I have, what you would expect from a from a product development organization, I have product managers, I have designers, I have uh, researcher, um, developers, data scientists, right? So it's really full stack end to end. So we're um, completely separate from the rest of the operations and our IT organization. Um, we can access to those resources, right? We do brainstorming, um, we bounce off ideas. Um, so yeah, so in general, um, we're self-contained, um, that also give us the flexibility, right? Also give us the ability to question how certain things and why certain things were done and can look at the problem upside down, so to speak. Um, and also give us the flexibility, not being bought down day to day, right? Um, around certain workflow, certain technologies. Um, now we also are very mindful around if you're going to go in, build a solution, changing people's workflow, most of the time it's not going to work. Right. So, but the ability to just understand those, right. Their dependencies and what are the big rock, right. And trying to identify those upfront before you do product development. Again, back to your last question, that also gave us the competitive advantage. But back to the structure conversation is we're really kind of standalone. You mentioned uh, your team's most recent launch. I'm curious if you can give us just kind of an overview of, you know, if you want to just focus on that one or maybe a couple of the other launches in recent years. Um, I know they're they're each pretty different, but they seem to be tackling a pretty, you know, unique problem space. And and so, yeah, I'm curious, you know, what you've focused on and kind of how they're doing now. Yeah. So I'll just talk really briefly of the, the four companies uh, that, well, not four companies. So, so we've launched uh, a wildflower, which is uh, we actually developed certain IP in my group. And then we actually sold the assets to wildflower and that's specifically focusing on women's health. Um, and then we also have started Zelf, uh, which is a, um, uh, uh, auto prescribe, uh, platform offering for clinician to offering services to, to patients. And then, um, two years ago, we spun out, uh, uh, Dexcare, which is more about supply optimization and personalization for uh, matching demand and supply. Um, and then Prior Health, which is the one we just announced a month ago. And I'll, I'll spend more time talking about Prior. 
Um, prior, the, the problem space that we're trying to solve for is around digital engagement, right? So we, we talked about earlier, if you look at retail, hospitality, you know, um, and, and dining, Starbucks, like we all live in Seattle, um, every industry, to a certain extent, there is some level of personalization. And that's one. Two, I think now we live in the world, consumer are expecting to receive their services, their care on their own terms. Um, to date, is very difficult. Historically, is very difficult, right? Because uh, most hospital system that utilize MyChart, which is a which is a good product from from Epic, this is not as flexible as uh, as what we want to be. And then, second, from from a provenance standpoint, if you're a large health system, you're in a very competitive market. You also want to differentiate your digital experiences, right? In addition to the 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 good quality care that we can provide. Those things go hand in hand, right? Um, if you are just a MyChart patient, every other hospital uses MyChart as well, right? You can't really differentiate your digital experience. So, so that's the problem that we're trying to solve for. How do we provide a unique differentiated digital experiences and then to complement the world-class care that we can provide to our patients and our community? So when we start looking at this problem, well, you can't really do personalization if you don't know the identity of that consumer and patient. So that's the first problem that we solve for. Um, so now at Providence, um, the ID that when you sign up is a Providence ID, and then we single sign on uh, for the patient into my chart. Now, th this gives us the flexibility to bring other assets that we have. We may have specific content, we may have classes, we may have different modality of care from urgent to virtual to other retail uh, modality that we can offer you as a patient. So when you log in, we want to provide this rich set of experiences targeting to you specifically. And then furthermore, based on clinical workflow that resides in Epic, which is our EHR, there might be specific flags, right? Um, that, you know, I haven't done my annual wellness or, hey, uh, based on my age and my condition, I might need some additional screening um, and there's a new procedure, uh, screening method that's targeting specific for me. So all these things now I can present to you as a patient. So on a one-to-one -one basis, right? So that's the level of experiences that we want to elevate in healthcare that I think most of us as consumer that we are used to when we're ordering food and watching videos, but we can't really do that in healthcare. So that's exactly why we uh, built Praya and to make that actually a reality uh, when patients and consumer are consuming healthcare. I don't think I've heard too much, you know, sort of out in the market about solutions like that, that are sort of a personalized, you know, kind of front door to and around my chart. Uh, was that a difficult technical challenge or sort of more of a difficult operational challenge to, to build that and scale it? Or yeah, what, what was kind of the, how, how hard was that to build? That? It's quite difficult. Um, when I talk about single sign-on, everyone's like, why are you guys working on single sign-on? That's a soft problem. I'm like, yes, yeah, a soft problem, except in healthcare. <laughs> 
Um, right. So it's, it's quite difficult because Epic in MyChart is not really built for truly interop with other applications, right? So we have to figure that out. We're also a fairly large health system, right? Crossing seven different states. We have patient that can go between states, right? If you're in Eastern Washington, you might go to ER in, you know, Montana, right? And vice versa. Your record can be duplicated, right? You might be in a clinic, you want to update certain demographics information, or you call into the call center, you want to reset your password. Like there are all kinds of these scenarios. The edge cases are the ones that took us forever, right? To really resolve. Because ultimately, the clinical record is still sits in Epic, right? That is the system of record. That's not going to be able to change. And we'll never change that. So that's what I mean earlier. Like understanding that, right, is really important because you need to figure out which battle you want to pick. <laughs> and, and, and then sort of we work, sort of start working backwards. So the identity portion of it took a long time. And because when we build products, we're not only building for Providence, but we also have to build an infrastructure that we know that we can commercialize, right? So that adds another layer of dimensionality uh, of difficulties, right? So, so that, took, that took a while. Um, and then the personalization aspect of it, we also took a very different approach than some of the companies that are in this space. Um, rather than trying to come up with different care journey and care pathways, we're taking the approach of we actually, there's a concept within, within Praia, what we call person store. The idea is, um, is a low latency state engine where we can, uh, allowing third party application to dump data into the person store. And then that those data element can be consumed by other applications. Now, the whole hypothesis there is that in a healthcare system like ours, we may already have different applications and services that offer different digital pathways or, or healthcare pathways. So rather than trying to cook up every single one of them, the idea is letting those application to tie their data into a person's identity and then for the application to render in real time if i need to receive diabetes care or you know i'm on hmm. a cancer pathway right and those services would actually show up and and then i as a patient would ultimately may use a different application right and those application can be single sign on through our single sign on service but then the data can also be shared. So it's a very different approach how, how we're thinking about this whole problem vis-a-vis -vis some of the other applications that we have seen, which is essentially trying to own everything. Um, so we didn't take that approach. We're right. taking a more of an app ecosystem yeah. approach. Just to, I don't want to get too in the weeds, but I think it's a fascinating solution. So I, I'm curious, you know, as you were launching, sort of prioritizing things during the launch, did you wait until you had many of those edge cases figured out or did you sort of you know tackle the kind of uh more easily addressable big market stuff get it out in the in the you know in the wild a little bit 
and then sort of launch incrementally from there into the education. Yeah, the identity piece, we sort of have to solve it. We have to solve the whole thing. That's why it took a while. It was a big bang approach. Um, we have to migrate it overnight, over a weekend. So in Providence, we had three and a half million um, digital ID, right? Um, or my chart patients. So we have to migrate it overnight, three and a half million. Um, and so as you can imagine, that's, that was a little scary. Um, we didn't generate a lot of calls into the call center, which was, which was good. Um, and that happened, you know, at this point, um, you know, year and a half ago. And once that is done, uh, some of the other infrastructure stuff that we have built, we've started doing more incrementally. Um, as of this year, we have been really focusing on what we call next best action. And those are the ones that essentially we can go into the EHR or go to other places. We can actually start showing next best action card to our patient um, based on these third-party data you know, elements and attributes. We can start showing these cards. So an example with that would be like mammography. If someone has lapsed for their mammography, now when a patient logs in, they will see a mammography card. You can click on that card. It goes into appointment booking flow and you can book it like right in the app, right? Very seamlessly. So, and then we're now going down the path. Essentially what I've been calling it, digitizing these different endpoints. So the idea is, you know, as a hospital with 51, 52 hospitals, you know, close to a thousand clinics, they may have different um, programs, right? Different protocols. There's no way we can design a system to accommodate all these things. Really the question right. is if we can digitizing some of these endpoints and then letting the operators to select, okay, hey, this program is targeting people, you know, between 50 and 60, you know, these conditions, and, and then these cards would automatically show up, right? When these patients kind of log in, they would, they would see uh, what they should be seeing. Really cool. Okay. So I'm, I'm curious how you're, how you're measuring success of it now. Are you looking at engagement? Are you looking at growth? Are you looking at patient outcomes? Yeah. Patient outcome is harder, um, right? Because that's going to be taking a longer, uh, we need to collect a lot more data and then we actually need to do a good, good study on it. But right now we're looking at around engage monthly active user now. Um, so that's, uh, that's one of the key metrics that, that we're looking at. We're also looking at, because one of the things that we also handled um, is all the login. And if you're a brand new patient or consumer converting to a patient, we also look at the signup flow, right? We also essentially we look at, you know, the barrier of entry, right? Before we know, hey, with my chart, a certain percentage of people can't, sign in for a number of reasons, right? So we have seen that number, uh, uh, those percentage essentially gone down like dramatically, right? We also look at the, um, the volume of problems people calling to the call center as we grow our digital engaged users. And then the, the other thing I talked about is monthly active user. And then last couple of things we also start tracking is uh, how people are consuming and clicking through these uh, NBA cards. Um, and then appointment books is another thing that we, we also tracked. So this has spun out. It's now, you know, you're attempting to commercialize it, scale it. Um, how does that, how, how does that team stay sort of connected to 
your team or does it not necessarily it can go kind of live on its own and try to raise money and you know uh, is there a, a, like a entrepreneur in residence that leads it or how yeah so we just hired a ceo back in back in august uh justin dearborn uh longtime entrepreneur in the in the healthcare space he has come on board back in august so his full-time job is uh go raise money and close deals um, that's what he's actually working on. So once the company spins out, hopefully, you know, within the next few months, uh, we're going through, we're working through a transition process uh, where uh, the folks that are on my team that work on the product, they have a choice to go to a new company, right? Hmm. Uh, so they would leave Providence uh, Digital Innovation Group and join Praia officially as a, as a you know, as a startup um, is sort of their their choice. Um, and then the crappy part for my team is we have to rehire. <laughs> um, but that's, you know, that's part of the process. Um, and, but we also have been looking at, you know, what are the problems that we want to go solve for? And we started that process about six months ago. That sounds like one of the sort of least territorial approaches to you know, personnel and talent and resources that, that I've heard of in a large healthcare organization, which I think speaks to what you were saying earlier about uh, the culture as it comes down from the C-suite and, you know, you guys just like to ship stuff that uh, is effective. It's really cool. Yeah, I think I think part of the, the way how we think about this, yes, we want to benefit Providence, but a lot of things that we are shipping, we also want to benefit to other health systems because... Because when we want to attack a problem, we want to make sure it's a big enough of a problem that other health system also has challenges, right? Because um, it's very hard, as you know, it's, it's expensive to build and maintain a product, right? So yes, we build it. We solve the, you know, the challenges that we see for Providence, but then the continued development and maintenance of it, that's when we let the capital market to decide. Right. Um, and then that's what we spin out. Then we become actually a customer of Praia. Uh, so the also the approach, how we think about personnel is the exact same way. Um, that's also been able to, you know, attract the right talent to come to come to the group. Right. Is for people have the opportunity to actually, you know, work in healthcare. Because um, at the end of the day, Providence is a very mission driven organization. My sales pitch is, hey, it's great, you know, you might be at Facebook or a Meta or Amazon, Microsoft, but if you want to do a, you know, do a round in healthcare, this is a great place to be, right? Because um, we can use the talent and then it's up to the individual. If they're super passionate of the product they, they have been working on, they can go with the company or they can stay work on the next thing, right? So you, you mentioned um, a couple of minutes ago, sort of in the wake of, of prior launching and, you know, finding a CEO, you and your team have, you know, maybe six months ago or so started the process of identifying, you know, the sort of next best opportunity. And I know it, it sounds like you guys maybe are not the most process oriented. You've got a great culture of communication and, you know, uh, comfort with sort of risk and the trade-offs of innovation and all that stuff. But, but I do know that, you know, for a lot of, uh, you know, finals clients, people I've worked with, process is top of mind. It's, it's one of the, you know, one of the main priorities and it's, it's what they, you know, hear from 
their bosses is they got to have the best process, right? And so I'm curious if you could talk a little bit about if you have something very structured or if it's not quite like that or just what what is the process? Yeah, for innovation, I mean, we don't we don't have that much process. Uh, one, I think I'm not a big process person in general. Um, I mean, on the clinical operation side, they have a lot of process for good reasons, right? Because we're taking care of patients and those things you have to check the box and, and it's super important. But the stuff that we do is, is a bit random walk, right? I mean, we have general framework in terms of how we think about the uh, approach to problem. I mean, we do the market scan, we talk to a lot of customers. And when I say customer, that's both patients, internal, as well as uh, external patients, as well as internal stakeholders, right? The operators, the care uh, caregivers, right? Um, and then also look at our specific business metrics, because ultimately a lot of the products that we build is a B2B2C product. So my customers are the operators, are the clinicians, right? They have to uh, sign off and buy into the things that we're, right. we're developing, right? So, so we have like general framework in terms of collecting the feedback, um, trying to identify the, the, the areas that we want to work in. And then after that, it's just a vetting process, right? It's a lot of dialogue, a lot of conversation, is continued vetting. Um, and that's what I mean by a little bit of random walk. And bes- bes- before we're going to decide to start working on some prototype, right? And then as part of this process, which we've been working on over the last uh, six, seven months, now we have identified, you know, a handful of themes that we want to focus on. And then based on those themes, we're continuing doing validation, right? Both internal, externally. Um, and then from there, then we can start working on, you know, building some, I would say design prototype, right? And that's when we start looking at additional validation from our key stakeholders. And then from there, we're going to start decide, okay, what other software we're going to start building, right? So that's sort of our framework. Um, you can call it a process, but uh, it's really a framework. Um, and everything else is, is not a straight line. Right, right, right. You know, I think uh, it's very common for healthcare executives to, to have the talking point of like, we're going to meet the patient where they are. We're going to understand very deeply the patient pain points, but it sounds like you not only take it sort of one step further than that, you talk to caregivers and providers and get very close to their issues and, and the operators. But you mentioned earlier that you also look at sort of changes in, you know, out in the world of technology and new paradigms that, so what might be sort of newly capable based on those late breaking sort of changes. So I'm, so I'm curious if, you know, with LLMs and AI and, and, and sort of that being the theme of the new paradigm in the last call it 12 months or so. Are you guys looking at that yet? Or is that, you know, down the road? Absolutely. We actually have uh, GPT for working in production. Um, I think we probably a handful of not, you know, a very few healthcare system actually have um, a models actually working in production. Um, so one of the area kind of, because I actually like to talk about the problems because uh, like sort of my mandate to the team is like really immerse ourselves into people's problem. 
Because the more we actually understand where they're coming from, understand their workflow, the better solution we can provide. So one of the issues um, in healthcare that face, like every healthcare person face across the US is uh, in basket messaging. Essentially, for those of you not familiar, uh, is a patient sending messages to, to, to their doctors, right? Especially the last couple of years, two, three years during the pandemic, those volume messages is exponentially have grown. And there are a lot of analysis been done, essentially saying, hey, that these going to continue to grow at exponential rate. Um, so when we start looking at this problem over a year ago, um, we said, hey, we can, we can figure it out what we can do, right? So we, we went in, deep dive, grab back to the data point, we have access to data, um, and, and, and start categorizing a lot of these messages. And we know a big chunk of these messages are not specific clinical related, right? So we said, hey, we can, we have a chat bot. Let's uh, figure it out what we can do to solve that problem. So essentially now we have built a solution that lives actually on my chart, uh, on my chart web. And that's also part of the Providence app. When a patient wants to send a message, uh, we'll detect those and we'll tell the patient, hey, you're asking for a billing question go here. Uh, you have a medication refill problem. Uh, we can help you with that. Or you, we just shipped a referral uh, last week. Hey, here's a, you know, here's what you need to know about referral, right? So essentially trying to reduce the number of messages uh, being sent or back and forth between the patient and the, and the office, or have the patient not send a message at all. So we're seeing, depends on the modality, which form of interaction uh, between the patient and our system, we're seeing anywhere from 24 to 30% uh, reduction in, in messages from people not sending the message. Um, wow. So, yeah, so that's, uh, and, and before a year ago, we're using, a, you know, our own model, right? Uh, so fast forward a year, we have now using, you know, some of the large language model. Um, hmm. And, and we also reboot our entire operational processes um, and thinking also very deeply around the privacy, equity, transparency aspect of LLM as well. So there's a whole thing that we're, we're currently actively working on. So, yeah, so that's just an example of how new technology development, looking at a problem space, and then we say, hey, by bringing some of these pieces together, what problem can we solve and solve even better? Really cool. Do you think that's a candidate maybe for a future sort of spinoff or does that feel like an internal solution? For now? Um, I think there's still quite a bit of work that we need to go do. Um, we are also partnering with our informatics team. Um, I think it's good to self-direct, right? Letting the patient getting information. But I think we can do more even for clinicians, right? Say, for example, now you have clinical questions related to, say, back pain. Um, a specific office may have a different protocols, right? So we can use some of these new techniques in LLM and other things, actually helping the, the MAs or uh, physician assistant to craft these messages without having them spend two minutes, three minutes, five minutes, right? Because every 10 seconds, 30 seconds, when you add it up, thousands of messages, it's a lot of time. 
right? So if we can save those, it's actually really good. So, so we're looking at more of an end-to-end solution right now, uh, but predominantly right now focusing on Providence. Um, and I'm very hopeful that the solution that we can come up with is going to be able to scale. Just a, another question just occurred to me, sort of back onto your your team, your department. It sounds like much of what the, the team does is kind of product discovery, right? Which makes sense and sort of maybe zero to one, you know, uh, validation and and development. Um, so, you know, that's amb- ambiguous stuff, right? That's that's uh, that's tricky stuff to do. I'm, I'm curious how you uh, measure your team success, you know, over the course of maybe a year. Like, how do you think about that? Yeah, that's a um, that's a great question. <laughs> so we're in getting going to 24 and I'm in the process of thinking about the exact same, exact same thing. I think there are a few things um, for the known product that, that we have been working on is, uh, is fairly straightforward. Um, there are specific business metrics that we need to go hit. Like for example, prior, you know, going to coming into 23, we have a monthly active user target, right. Um, that we want to go achieve. So that was a mandate for, for the entire team. In addition, there are some specific features that we know we want to go, go hit this year. So those are the ones that have been highlighted. Um, and then for the engineering team, there are, over the last couple of years, we actually have been retrofitting our entire infrastructure as well. Because um, before every team kind of, it's like a startup, right? Like I have like five different startups in the org. And then every team, every dev want to kind of using their own tools, their infrastructure, which is, you know, is good now as they're building it, but is uh, when you're trying to spin out a company, then, you know, you can spend six, nine months to retrofit your entire infrastructure. Right. So, so one of the things that we have been doing the last couple of years is mandating certain infrastructure requirements. So that was like a goal for the entire team. So for some of the newer unknown one, the, the goal is going to be a little bit more loose. Um, we may have, you know, a pilot of some sort. We may have, you know, to have some kind of key milestone um, around, mm. again, certain uh, software we want to go build. Um, so that would be like one of the goals for the, for the team. We don't have a mandate, unlike... I don't really like to call my team an incubator. Like we don't have a mandate for a certain incubator. Like, hey, you know, we're gonna ship a hundred companies in you know three years, right? Right. We don't really have that mandate because a lot of it is uh, for us to go invest, and it often takes time, right? To to actually um, to really dive into deep into the problems before you can really set a goal. So, yeah, so there is, there is a percentage, uh, de- again, depends on the life cycle of a product. Certain teams' goal is going to be a little bit more loose, is more of an R&D phase. And then once, you, once we get a little bit momentum, then that's when we start putting more fire. And, and those goals will be more strict. Okay, really cool. So, so very contextual. You're always kind of, you know, tracking what's happening and what's the sort of next best available you know, metric to hold yourself accountable, accountable to. That's really cool. Okay. Maybe just one or two more questions here. Thanks for all your time today. Um, you guys have this sort of, from my perspective, a unique um, combination of, of, a, of a healthy culture, uh, you know, technical and, and sort of product talent. 
and you know the scale of of providence and sort of your structure within it i think is uh is effective as well so you guys have racked up some you know some wins right some some good traction i think on some of these can you maybe talk a little bit about something a little bit less successful maybe you guys have invested in in a, a, a prototype for maybe longer than you wish you would have and it just didn't quite get the traction or you know if there's anything along those lines you can touch on. yeah i'm going to answer this question is like you know it's one of those interview questions you say hey what's your weakness and you know they turn it into a strength <laughs> kind of response it can sound like this but didn't mean to like when we started out uh prior this is um about 15 16 months ago we're trying to figure it out around the personalization stuff that I talked about earlier. Um, so we have, you know, uh, engineering director and another person on the team start working on this problem. And initially we were like, hey, why don't we just start personalizing content? That should be easy, right? Um, so we started digging into it um, for a number of reasons. Um, the content management system that, that Providence were utilizing at the time wasn't as robust as we would like, right? So after essentially four or five weeks working on the problem and chase down the right people, right? We're like, okay, this is not workable. So we pivoted and we're like, okay, hey, what about, what if we can get access to the medical record and just start with like care gap, right? What can we do with that information? And can we just start, quote unquote, personalizing it? And what kind of structure, like from an architecture standpoint, we should be thinking about if we were incorporating other third-party data sources, right? How do we actually render some of these things in our front end? So that turns into the person store that I talked about. And then now it's a core component on in CIEP or now Priya. So that's a sort of failure, but at the same time, we're like, okay, we just ask, go to the next question. What do we learn? And what else can we do? I think the ability for us to connect with other teams was also an advantage because it just happened, you know, the engineering manager was talking to our, um, uh, someone within our IS team, they were saying, oh, we, you get to, we're exposing these data elements that you can consume. You can do something with it. We're like, okay, let's take a look, right? I think it's those connected tissues um, and the ability to have these, so to speak, water cooler conversation um, that help us explore new avenue. I guess last one here, Andy, you know, for... All the uh, you know CEOs, CIOs, uh, VPs of product at other at other health systems out there. Do you have any advice for for them on how to uh, you know move the needle as effectively as possible at, at innovation? Yeah, I think the big question. I think you know I, I talked about earlier. I mean, I give a lot of credit to to Rod and and the management team. Kind of um, really want to push the envelope. Right. I think it's really important to understand at the state of the healthcare business is 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 tough environment right now. Um, yet they're still very much wanting to um, 
to invest in innovation because we all know you can't just cut to cut and then to 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 the growth path, right? So I think one realizing what you want to do with actually with innovation is really key because when we are innovating, we're not just for the sake of purely just starting company, right? We're innovating for providence first and then understanding the problem. Um, so there's a direct metrics on what we do to like a business goal. So actually having that, those honest conversation, I think is important. I think second is that look at your existing resources, right? Um, Cause um, not a lot of us came from a healthcare background. Um, we're not healthcare IT guys. Most of us are tech people um, or product or design folks come from outside of healthcare. Um, I think a big question is if you do want to innovate, right? Uh, or want to push the envelope, see if you actually have the right people on the team. Um, because I don't, I'm not a big process person believe because I believe you have the right people. You don't need a lot of processes, right? So, um, especially again, for the stuff that I do, not, not clinical operations. Um, so I think that's another important factor because if you don't have the right people, it's really difficult to, to actually innovate, right? In the example that I gave earlier around the engineering director, he just be able to connect the dots, right? Um, I think the third piece is, um, back to the culture piece. I think Chris, you, you have mentioned a few times, I think having an environment and foster the environment of wanting people to take risk, to think differently is also really key, right? If people feel comfortable and they feel comfortable both questioning the, what has been done in the past, questioning their environment, questioning the infrastructure, right? And then they can channel in the right way. Then there's, that's, that's when the magic happens, right? So I think, I think if I just focus on those would be make sure like the strategies online, like aligned, right? And then you have the right people and then you have setting the right culture for the people to, to actually work in that environment. Everything else is um, people can figure it out. I love that. That is so good. Um, well, let's end on that. That's perfect. Andy, I've really loved this conversation. Uh, really, you know, happy to learn a bit more about what you're up to. And uh, frankly, I'm happy that you're working in healthcare now. So, <laughs> so thank you. Well, thank you so much uh, for having me. It's been fun. Yeah. And, uh, you know, healthcare, we need a lot more tech people wanting to come into healthcare. <laughs> so come for those who are listening. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much for joining us. You can also connect with us on LinkedIn, YouTube, or on our websites at productsandhealthtech.com. Uh, if you have ideas or suggestions on what you'd like to hear in a future episode, or if you'd like to be a guest, uh, please just shoot us an email at info at productandhealthtech.com.